0: Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Danny Sarek joins me. A lot to get into on this Wednesday. A lot of news to digest. We've got roster moves and a potential change to this week's kickoff. First, though, we all love to speculate. So let's speculate. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 602, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Hit in the back. Down he goes for a loss. J.J. Watt nailed it. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, half a 5. He's in again. Some more. Murray Magic. Wow. Here's Craig Grealoux. So are you familiar with ESPN's Brian Windhorst and the meme? Two fingers up in the air.
1: I am, and I wish we had a camera rolling right now as you were doing the two fingers in the air.
0: <sighs> yes, I am. I am hip, aren't I, Dan?
1: You are hip, Craig.
0: All right, now that for those that might not be familiar, it was earlier this offseason, right before the Utah Jazz made a big trade, and he was speculating in his two fingers up in the air. Now, why is that? What does it mean? What does it mean? Well. How about the Arizona Cardinals? What does it mean, Danny, when on Tuesday, they announced that Wednesday, the practice closed, canceled, no practice, a closed walkthrough here after just five games?
1: It means your team is banged up and you got to change things up a little bit. And that's all that is. This is something teams do usually later in the year, Yes. This, to me, wasn't... I didn't have bells and whistles going off in my head. There weren't alarms sounding, but I guess I was one of the few people who felt that way.
0: Okay. One, I completely agree with everything you said, and it's exactly what Cliff Kingsbury mentioned as well. Two games in nine days. They are very, very banged up, and this is what teams do. Heck, the Eagles did it a week ago on Wednesday before playing the Arizona Cardinals. However, the Eagles... 4-0, 4-0, holding a walkthrough. Cardinals 2-3, and three holding a walkthrough. So, people want to know, why aren't you practicing? You're not winning games. Why aren't you practicing? That's why the outrage, if you will, at least if you follow social media, I know you do, and in looking at what the fan base thinks is wrong with this team versus what they know what's going on with this team, people are interested but why wouldn't you practice
1: let me state this off the top of my statement practice is important I understand that I'm not disagreeing with that having one day where you would do a walkthrough instead of a practice is that drastically going to change everything about this team I don't think the issues have just been physically I think that it's been mental as well and working through the scheme and so if you are banged up and you have two games in nine days I don't hate the idea of doing a walkthrough once, and you work on that mental side, and you're going through the game plan, and you're getting those mental reps, and you're still walking through things. To me, having that instead of practice once is not going to drastically change and turn things around for this team. I think it gives them that break physically that they clearly need, and so I'm okay with it. Again, do you need a walkthrough every week? Do you need a walkthrough every two weeks? Probably not. But I think having a walkthrough instead of one practice is not going to completely derail this team or be the reason that they can't get things going.
0: It's a walkthrough versus full speed in practice. Now they don't go full speed in practice, but there's a lot more... 80-85% 80-85% as far as movement as full as opposed to a walkthrough where you're basically jogging if that, but it's what you said the details attention to detail, something Kyler Murray mentioned on Wednesday, Buddha Baker in the locker room said it was more above the neck and if what have we heard from the coaching staff, from the players about the slow starts and when things don't go right, attention to detail, so that To your point, as far as, okay, maybe it's not the physical mistakes, the mental mistakes, thus a walkthrough on Wednesday.
1: And one of the main questions the last couple weeks, which is completely fair, is what kind of changes are being done to have faster starts, specifically on offense? So if you're asking them to make these changes to try and correct those mistakes, how can you be upset when they make those changes to try and correct those mistakes?
0: You're using logic here with a fan I know, base and that it is doesn't... in and up
1: well. <laughs> Logic for me might not happen very often, but I'm using it in this case. So listen up.
0: I love the speculation because, one, it's fun, but I do not think that there was anything more than just the fact that you've got a game on Sunday, which we'll get into a little bit later on here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Yes, you are banged up, which we will get into. And then the fact that you have, after Sunday, after three days off, you're back on the field Thursday at home against the New Orleans Saints. So your body needs a break, and I think the players appreciate that. Now you hope that that appreciation is reciprocated on the field by doing what the coaches are asking you to do and making sure you're in the right spot and making the plays so we're not talking next week about a team that is two and 2-4 and getting DeAndre Hopkins back because that that – to me is unacceptable. If you're going to be thrown a bone by your coaching staff because they are aware that maybe right now because of the nicks and bumps and bruises that you need a little bit more of a physical break, then mentally you need to be locked in. And I think the players, hopefully, and we won't know until Sunday afternoon, but you hope that now, okay, appreciate that coach, and now you get more into the film work, you get more into the X's and O's, alright, and you mentally close your eyes and figure things out on the field
1: yeah look I understand the the questioning behind it of because it's not the normal schedule the normal routine every week but I don't see this as as anything alarming at all
0: now I do like the fact that they're changing things up because what we've and you brought it up what have we been asking okay well if one thing is not working and you've tried week after week after week well then obviously you need to change what you're doing because it's not working I would love, as we go, kind of more radical change outside of a walkthrough during the week. But on game day, you talk about these 10-15 scripted plays, and this team has not been able to score a first quarter point. So this, these plays aren't working. So completely do something different. I would love to see this team come out like we saw game one of the Kingsbury Kyler Murray era against the Lions, where you spread it out and you go fast. Two-minute drill. I want to see that two-minute drill right out of the gate, not at the end of the first half, not at the end of the game when it's necessary, but go two-minute, no huddle. Really rush, push the tempo, set the tone on offense, dictate as opposed to waiting to see what the defense has for what you want to do. Be the aggressor as opposed to just kind of ease your way into the game.
1: What if that's what they're doing, Craig? Maybe, if that's, maybe that's why they did the walkthrough. Maybe they're working through a different set of scripted plays. And so before they get out there and they put the pads on and they're practicing, they want to get onto the field and have them walk through and mentally see how everybody is comprehending their specific role in those plays. Maybe that's what's going on. Again, we don't know. We will never know. <laughs> However, I stick with what with what I said. If you're going to ask for them to make changes... They are clearly trying to make changes to correct those mistakes. They very well could be doing exactly what you were asking for, Craig, of having a different set of scripted plays to start the game, and maybe that's what they are walking through before they put the pads on and kind of change things up.
0: If I'm right, by the way, you will never hear the end of it because I'll take credit for the team coming off a fast start against the Seattle Seahawks.
1: Whatever you say, Craig. Whatever you say.
0: All right, okay, I'll, I'll remember that. I'll remember that in one week's time. By the way, I went back and looked as far as the first possession, second possession for these drives because I do think is we it's always the offense. Uh, you know, the defense has its faults here and there, but it's for me it's the offense. And there have been five opening drives. Three times the offense has gone three and out. Your other two drives? Six plays, 19 yards, one first down. Five plays, 11 yards, one first down. It's not working. Second possessions for the Cardinals so far after five games. They've scored one touchdown. That was against the Chiefs, and that happened in the second quarter. But your other four possessions, two punts, turnover on downs, interception. So to your point, it's not working. Do something different, whether that's during the week with a walkthrough or on game day where you go radical as far as your offense more tight ends, more running backs, less wide receivers. I, I At this point, Danny, I don't care because I'm getting tired of talking about zero points in the first quarter and being minus 54 in the first half. You can't win games consistently if you're always playing from behind.
1: And I'm sure the players and coaching staff are just as tired as you are. And that's the problem is their game plan is getting adjusted against their will, essentially, of you're having to play from behind, and that affects the way that you call a game. The players have said, if we knew what was preventing us from the fast start, obviously we would change that. And I understand it's not just one thing, and you can point and say, oh, that's it, let's just change that. It's just interesting to me that, and we saw this in the loss in Week 5 to Philly, and we saw it in Carolina, and we saw it in Vegas, is this team, this offense specifically, has the potent has the potential to get the ball rolling. They can find rhythm. They just can't find it in the first half. And that's what's strange is we saw it a little more in the, in the second quarter a, a bit in, in the loss to Philly. But it's interesting that they essentially have to go into halftime in a deficit, hype each other up, talk about the halftime adjustments, and then they go and they make those and, and they find the rhythm. So it's not like this team doesn't know how to find the rhythm and move the chains now are there still struggles yes could they still be putting more touchdowns and points on the board yes but it's interesting to me that they are a second half team what's working in the second half that you can't take that into the beginning of the game
0: this team offensively appears to like when their backs are against the wall
1: yeah but I don't like that
0: and I don't it's either. It's not sustainable. It, no, and it it's frustrating That's from a, a fan lot on standpoint. Kyla it's and you're you're right, because you exert more energy trying to come back. And then sometimes you don't have enough to come all the way back, i.e. against the Eagles.
1: Affects your running game, it affects how balanced you can be. That obviously affects your offensive line if they're constantly having a pass block. It's everything gets adjusted. Um I will say, even though they haven't necessarily won, I've liked the fact that I feel like more so this year than last year of When this team is behind, it does feel like mentally they don't count themselves out as early. That's something I said at the beginning of the season after the loss to the Chiefs was they knew they were out of it. That's something that they had to work on this season in my eyes. So I feel like that's, I don't know if I love like a moral victory using that term, but the fact that this team has kind of kept themselves in the game in the second half and kind of kept it close when they've been from behind is an improvement from last year in my eyes.
0: They don't mentally check out. Right. And that would be easy to do, especially if you're getting behind by so much. And that then all of a sudden it's there's there are bigger issues if that happens and you hope. And we haven't seen it. I'll be honest, even though things have not looked great all the time, this team will fight all the way till the end. And we've heard that from the players after games as well. Now this week with the Seattle Seahawks on the road, A number of roster moves made on Wednesday, and it generally centers around the running back position, which is what I want to talk about. But let's give everyone what happened on Wednesday. Again, no practice, so we don't even know who was out on the field. We do know that Rodney Hudson was not doing anything today. He's officially listed day-to-day. It does not sound like Matt Prater is going to be kicking this week, so you will have Matt Amendola kicking for the second straight game, and he was signed, elevated or signed from the practice squad to the active roster, along with uh, safety Chris Banjo. Three other moves were made, or I should say four, but three, considering the running back situation, because we know James Conner, Daryl Williams, Jonathan Ward all got hurt Sunday against the Eagles, leaving one man healthy, active, and that would be Eno Benjamin. Jonathan Ward, the update on him on injured reserve. He'll miss four games at least. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. James Conner ribs, Daryl Williams knee. Now, I know national reports have Daryl Williams is not being available this week. Kingsbury would not go that far. He said it would be determined later on in the week. So you have James Conner dealing with an injury, Daryl Williams dealing with an injury. You've got a healthy Eno Benjamin, a healthy Keontae Ingram. So there's two healthy running backs. And in order to kind of help the depth, they did sign two running backs to the practice squad, Corey Clements and Tyson Williams. In addition, wide receiver Laquelle Treadwell was signed to the practice squad. That basically more because he actually has some height to him, Danny. He is 6-2 and you lose Antoine Wesley. You need someone to kind of pair with an A.J. Green. So Treadwell is on the practice squad. Whether he gets elevated to the active roster this week, who knows. But there are now all of a sudden, we now know why this team kept five running backs on the active roster out of training camp.
1: I stand corrected of saying Why does this team need five running backs when you are bringing Antonio Hamilton back? Are they still going to have five active running backs because you got to cut a spot somewhere? And I'm glad to say that I was wrong. I will admit that because having three of your running backs get hurt in one game, it's a good thing you have five. It is interesting, though, of what do we really know about rookie Keonta Ingram? That he looked like he had a good camp, good preseason, but he hasn't been active yet. So it'll be interesting to see how much of a, a relief is it really having Keontae Ingram. Um, I'm sure, you know, in some packages, if, if they're going to have to rely heavily on Eno Benjamin, obviously have having Keontae out there. With Jonathan Ward being out, if Daryl Williams is able to play but is limited, having Ingram out on special teams maybe. Um, but it's all going all gonna to center around, honestly, James Conner and, and how available he will be But I thought that Eno did a very good job carrying the load, not only as the number 1 running back, as the only running back, pretty much the entire second half. So I think that this team would feel confident, and from what we heard from Kingsbury, feels confident in Benjamin's ability.
0: 11 total touches for 53 yards and one touchdown for Eno Benjamin on Sunday. played more than half the game, and it's the most he's played percentage-wise in his entire career. Fifty-four percent of the snaps he was on the field. And I thought he did very well. Whether it was running the football, catching the football, he picked up a great blitz on the last two minute drive of the game. Everything that we have heard him be able to do, we saw him do that on the field on Sunday.
1: Yeah, he carried the load. It was interesting because he kind of laughed when he talked to the media earlier this week about. I didn't even notice that I was the only running back. He, he was, I talked to him on this week's Sideline Exchange interview, and he went a little more in-depth, saying there was a screen pass to Rondo Moore, and he ran off to the sideline, and he was kind of looking around like to see someone else, and he. <laughs> but that's when he realized, like, wait, where is everybody? <laughs> so the way that he was able to carry that load, and for somebody who was essentially redshirted his entire rookie season in 2020, this offseason heard, high praise about him from the coaching staff not just the physical improvements more so mentally and maturity wise so to have him go out there and and watch the game that he had he said it was it was validating he knew he could do it but to go out and prove it was a good feeling.
0: Eno's been waiting for this opportunity a lot of fans have been waiting for him to have this kind of an opportunity and the frustration early on in his career. But I'll say this, whether or not he knew that he was in the coach's doghouse, which, according to Cliff, he was, and it took a little while for him to get out of the doghouse because he just wasn't ready to be a professional. He had to learn how to practice as a pro, to be able to play as a pro. And that's difficult for a lot of young players coming out of college when you are RB1 and everything comes easy to you. It did not come easy to him in the National Football League, but you never heard a negative word out of his mouth about his situation. And he learned, had some good conversations with the head coach, the general manager, about what to work on after that first year. And now, yeah, it's hard to be patient, but this is what happens when you are patient. It's paying off for the former ASU Sundo, which in this market is great.
1: He was also dealing with cramps that entire second half and pushed through. And he just said he had to kind of change his mindset about being able to push through that and just kind of really focus and focus on his job at hand. And he told me that one of the, one of the main parts of that mindset was his focus kind of shifted to just really give relief to Kyler Murray, which I thought was interesting of making sure that your quarterback, when he has one running back, making sure that you are providing that relief for him and, and the rest of the offense, obviously, that comes because of that.
0: It's good self-awareness because sometimes, all right, do you attack the defender in front of you or is it smarter, at least in this moment right now, for me to go out of bounds to save myself for the next play, the next series, because there is no one behind me right now.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. It was it was just him. And so it was it was a very interesting conversation. That's up on our official YouTube channel at azcardinals.com as well. Um but but he he explained it very, very in a good way of what that mindset became when he realized he was the only running back because that's not an easy position one to play and two to be the only person. And you're right. Make sure that you're making the right decisions, not only for the team, but also making sure you're staying safe because you are the last option.
0: I do think Eno you know, Benjamin can handle whatever role he's given each and every week. And if there is more of that this week in the absence of a Daryl Williams and potentially an absence of Daryl uh, James Connor, then there's no question, at least in my mind, that Eno you know, Benjamin can handle it. To your point about Keontae Ingram. We saw him in training camp, looked good, saw him in the preseason. He flashed, but there's a difference between preseason and regular season. He has all the physical tools, all the physical traits to be one of those running backs like an Eno Benjamin to sit for a while, learn, figure out what is necessary to remain in the National Football League because we know he can run the football, he can catch the football. Can you do everything else that potentially you weren't asked to do at USC and at Texas? So I'm, I'm curious if it is Keontae Ingram. But there's no guarantee. You bring in a Corey Clements and a Tyson Williams, two players that have some experience, a lot of experience. Clements, 63 games. Williams, 13 games. So they're, I wouldn't say issue, but the question you have with them is, is there enough time between now and Sunday to learn the offense, to be viable within the offense and not just special teams. That's where Ingram would have the edge.
1: Well, that's my question to you, and, and maybe it doesn't. But let's say Darrell Williams is unable to play in Seattle. I guess we could, in, in this first scenario, we can say James Conner is limited, but especially if James Conner is also unable to play, how does that affect Eno Benjamin on special teams as your returner? Does it?
0: I could see Greg Dortch become the kickoff return which I believe he was out there in the second half because, yeah, your role changes within the game. You're the kickoff specialist, yet all of a sudden, hey, we need you on offense to carry the load. Okay, now it's who has ever not available or not doing a lot, and we know Greg Dorch's numbers have dropped considerably since the return of Rondell Moore, so I could see Dorch picking up the kickoff return duties this week.
1: Yeah, and that might be something, too, of losing Jonathan Ward for four weeks with that hamstring injury of these running backs that you bring in might have a little extra something for special teams as well.
0: I do think also with this game in particular, the Seahawks defense, it's the worst in the league and they are not good. They are awful against the run. 170 rushing yards they allow this season. It's small sample size, but I do think as much as we want to see this offense take off, if you can get a solid ground game going, that can obviously help your passing attack. And the Cardinals have shown over the last couple of weeks that when they stick with the run, it can be very successful.
1: I don't want to give it away because I want people to go listen (laughs) to the Sideline Exchange interview with Eno Benjamin, but that came up as well. Seattle's defense is dead last in both yards allowed per game and rushing yards allowed per game. And I asked him, how does this Cardinals offense take advantage of that? And he mentioned two things, establishing the run and finding that rhythm early And third downs. They have to convert on third downs, and they have to keep the chains moving. But we talked about that as well. Go check it out.
0: AZCardinals.com for a brilliant interviewer. (laughs) And Danny Sarek and Eno Benjamin, who was one of the few standout performers on Sunday and that lost the Eagles. But, yeah, against the worst rushing defense in the league, Cardinals this season, 4.3 yards per carry, but that was up to 4.8 on Sunday, and if you can get close to that five-yard mark per carry, you know that's two plays and a first down, and you can control the clock, you can control what you do on offense, but you have to have that initial surge to begin the game. You can't keep running the ball if you're down two or three scores. You need to be able to score quickly, and I think what we saw on Sunday with the Eagles is they kept it close enough to where they could maintain what they want to do on offense, keep the playbook wide open, and still run the football and be effective. Much easier when you get a lead in the first quarter as opposed to tying the ball game up in the second half.
1: It sounds easy enough, but if you can score early on and get that lead, your your life becomes much easier when you're trying to call the plays and have a balanced offense.
0: Especially with this team. Yes. For whatever reason, this team needs to play with the lead. Otherwise, things just... Don't go well the rest of the game, and that's you know, Kyler Murray has looked better this season. This offense has looked better this season when it's more of a backyard chaotic situation where you're just doing whatever it takes to get back into the ball game and hopefully get the lead. If you can be more structured, I think that would bode well for everyone across the board,
1: especially when you're looking at that sustainability long term throughout the rest of the season. And again, this is. This is the last game without DeAndre Hopkins before he comes back from his six-game suspension. Does adding D. Hop into the lineup change everything and fix everything on offense? No. Will it help? Yes. But there are still plenty of things for this offense to work on before you get Hopkins back. And while adding him to the lineup will obviously change the way that defense is game-planned for this team, I think also having Hollywood Brown and the way that he has performed the last couple of weeks will significantly change that as well of D Hop getting double teamed less because you can't leave Brown out in the open. There's still things that this offense has to work on that having Hopkins return won't fix everything. But if you can get to five hundred before D Hop comes back, that is much better than having to dig yourself out of a two and four hole.
0: Everyone's been pointing to just being five hundred in these six games and based off the opponents, who you had at home, who you're playing on the road, I totally understood that. What I don't like is how they've gotten to right now two and three, hopefully three and three. It has not looked great. In fact, a lot of times it has looked awful offensively. To your point, you plug in DeAndre Hopkins, that is not the magic pill cure-all for this offense. If it is, then there are bigger issues within that offensive room, and I'll say it again. If that is the case, you paid the wrong person in the offseason. I'm knocking on that door if I'm number 10. Because if I am that magic pill, you can't do anything without me.
1: He has a great season. He has some leverage. Yes. Yes. Um, I agree with you. It's amazing to have a playmaker of DeHop's ability. And what he forces your opponent to do. But if you are as drastically different as an offense, the way the Cardinals, from what we've seen and what we expect to see when D-Hop gets rolling, that's an issue to me. Depth is important. Players get hurt. Suspensions happen. Anything can happen. And if you can't win and you can't be productive because one player is not out on the field, that's a whole different problem.
0: It's been too much of an excuse for this team to lean on so far this season and we can get into it more when Hopkins does return but we're still one week away Cardinals this week at the Seattle Seahawks and speaking of that game there's some news with respects to how late perhaps Danny Sarek is able to stay out on Saturday. Potentially, she could stay out a lot later.
1: I don't think it's I would stay out later. It's how much longer can I sleep in, <laughs> Craig? Oh,
0: okay. All right. So you've changed the narrative a little bit here on, the, on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai Proud, partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Here's the news with respects to kickoff. As we speak here on Wednesday... Kickoff 105, pregame begins at 8.30 a.m. However, kickoff might be moved 90 minutes later to 2.30. That is, if the Seattle Mariners are hosting a playoff game. If not, then kickoff will remain at 105.
1: I know Paul Calvisi would have preferred an earlier 10 (laughs) a.m. kickoff, but sometimes, Paul, you don't always get what you want.
0: No, he does not. (laughs) He tries, though, but he does not. Now, are you are you a baseball fan, Danny, or is this just is this just? Con- I am not at all. Okay, so this is this is a big inconvenience for you.
1: No, I wouldn't say it's a big inconvenience because you know it's not like I'm having to worry about a commercial flight I'm gonna make <laughs> or miss or anything like that. I just didn't realize I've also never been to Seattle, so I wasn't aware that I guess the stadium and the ballpark supposedly it's like one street that separates them, so that that makes sense to me at first when I saw the news, I was like. I mean, I know that the Mariners haven't been good in, like, forever, so is the whole city just shutting down because they're in the playoffs? But now it makes a lot more sense to me.
0: I have not been to Seattle either, but Lumen Field and T-Mobile Park literally across the street from one another. So the issue here is crowd control, traffic, to stagger the start times so you don't have a, thousands of people all converging at the same location at the same time. Now, there's it's going to be busy. And it's gonna be chaotic. But
1: is it gonna rain?
0: No, it is not gonna rain. Fortunately okay. for you. And Buddha Baker mentioned that earlier in the locker room on Wednesday, a Chamber of Commerce Day. He even brought it up is gonna be seventy five perfect football weather. So it's just gonna be a it's gonna be Danny, it's gonna be a great weekend for you to enjoy Seattle for the first time.
1: I can't wait. I'm also very excited because our department who travels for the games, ever since I got here a year ago, I have heard about this dinner in Seattle, and our Jim Imahundro is the mastermind behind all of this. There is some sushi restaurant that everybody just loves and looks forward to. And everybody, there's like 15 or 16 of us going to dinner. And I love sushi. I used to work at a sushi restaurant in college. So I um, I like good sushi. And that's what I've been told this is. So I am very much looking forward to this dinner.
0: Again, you might be able to enjoy more sushi if it is a 2.30 kickoff because then you'd be sleeping off the fun that you had the night before.
1: Sushi and sake bombs, Craig.
0: <laughs> by the way, there's a potential that we could know kickoff as early as Thursday if the Mariners tie that series with the Houston Astros. If it is a sweep by the Houston Astros, meaning the Astros win Thursday and on Saturday, then again, kickoff will remain at 105. But if a fourth game is necessary... It will be at 230. So keep it locked daisycardinals.com. You can follow Danny Sarek, who I'm sure will post either on Twitter or Instagram, all the fun from Saturday nights as well.
1: Do you want me to FaceTime you and you can join in on the fun? That's okay. Hurtful. <laughs> okay. I didn't mean to hurt your you. You didn't have to hurt my feelings for everybody listening to hear Craig. Who's that's where say- you say absolutely and then we get off air and you say do not comment. <laughs>
0: Who's to, say delete my number. who's to say I don't have my own plans Saturday night while well, you guys oh, are enjoying things on Saturday and I want to like, kind of,
1: place. Are your plans to start your training program for the 5K at the end of the month?
0: A little night running to
1: get ready? Sure. Okay. Really get in the zone. We'll go there.
0: October 30th, the Cardinals' first ever 5K run through State Farm Stadium then stick around for the watch party. Cardinals that day in Minnesota with Danny Zurek as the Cardinals play the Vikings. So she will not be in attendance for the 5K, but she assures us here that she'll do her own 5K in Minneapolis.
1: Sure, you'll never know the difference. <laughs> I've already done it, Craig. See, you'll never know.
0: Walkthrough, right? Mentally? The mental training? Yes. Let's bring it full circle here. Yes, I am done.
1: done I'll be doing some walkthrough 5Ks from my couch.
0: You know what? I'll join you from my couch (laughs) as well. Perfect setup here. And on that note, let's put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Almohundro. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.